So what do we pray for? You know, what should I pray for? And, and should I really only ask for the big stuff? The little stuff just sort of take care of itself? Or is praying for the big stuff, um, you know, that's selfish? Well, what do we do with that? Is it okay to, you know, we, we talk about big stuff. You know, you, we kind of need to define big stuff because what I might define, it's kind of like beauty, you know, is in the eye of the beholder. It's kind of like big stuff's in the eye of the of the person praying or the person thinking because for some of that, for some of us here, the big stuff would be the Mercedes Benz or, or a new car or, or maybe even a car or maybe even a dependable car. Uh, for some, it, it might be a, a new house or, or, or a bigger house or just a house or just an apartment even maybe. You know, so you start talking about that and then that's big stuff. And then for some of us, it might be relationships that have been fractured might be a relationship that that you really want restored with a a good friend or a a family member a parent possibly or a child or or someone like that you you pray for that that's big stuff for you for some of us obviously it's it's it could be healing you know some folks here talked to this morning already that that in both services that that uh Asking for healing because of some pretty serious stuff they're dealing with in terms of, of, of physical um, physical stuff. That's big stuff. It's big stuff, you know, for them, for those around them, their loved ones. For some, I just it might just be. I say it like that, not meaning it like that. It might be just some unmet need. There's some people here, both services that. Praying for a, a mate, a single. Some of you are thinking, don't pray that prayer. No, no. <laughs> no, it's a good prayer to, pl- to pray. It's, uh, it's, it, it's a good thing, it really is, to, 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 to have. I believe, I, love, I think marriage is great. I love it. Had 30, uh, 35 wonderful years. My wife said, what? 15 or 20, but you know, I always say, I always say that. <clears throat> um, for some, they might be praying for some other unmet need in their life. Maybe a job, maybe a better job, maybe a, maybe a deal to go through. Something else. Who knows what else uh, can be involved with that and, and might work in, with, with, with all of that and so forth. Um, so let's just go to the Bible. Let's, I want to show you a some, some, uh, couple, of, couple of verses, a few verses in the Bible that talk about this whole thing and try to try to encapsulate it as best as best as we can and as best as I can to try to get you to think along these lines when we start talking about what do I pray for and, and what should I ask for and should it only be the big stuff or should it not be the big stuff or should it be this or should it be that? So let's just go there and let's just um, let's look at some of the words of Jesus. This is from the same sermon. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew. Well, it's in, in the different Gospels. In Matthew, it's in Matthew chapters uh, 5, 6, and 7. And, and Jesus talks about this. We, 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 a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. That comes from the same, uh, same area that Jesus was talking. Jesus was doing a sermon. Actually, it's interesting. Sermon on the Mount, as it is known in, in you know, theological or whatever. Uh, it was really a, to be a, a sermon for the disciples. And 5,000 people showed up. You know, and so as when he he ended up uh, teaching five thousand people right there on the edge of the Sea of Galilee in sort of an amphitheater like type of thing. Always, always, and I stood there in the place where he where he uh, uh, supposedly did that. And it's always interesting to me that you know, no amplification, 
5,000 people, no amplification. But, uh, which tells you that the Lord wasn't some little weenie, you know, pipsqueak. Uh, had a, you know, could, could, had a good voice, and, but I mean also natural amphitheater with the lake behind you to carry the sound and you know, all the things, little things like that that uh, you think about sometimes. I do at least when you, when you think about all those things in terms of speaking and just the logistics of it. But in that particular message that he gave, this is one of the things that we're going to see. This is from Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Keep on asking. Watch this. This is really good. Keep on asking, he says, and you'll be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. There you have it. So that's pretty cool. That's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. Right there in the words in red. You know? Right there in Jesus' words. So what does that mean? I just, I ask, I, I, I look, and I knock, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be answered? Is that what I do? Is that how this thing works? Because I've got, I got, I got some serious asking to do here. And here's what happens, and I want to be careful, because we, we gotta, I want to talk about a couple things. Can we, pray, can we pray for big things? Let me just answer that question. Absolutely, we can. Can we pray for small things? Absolutely. We can pray boldly. We can pray big. We can pray little, however, however and whatever you want to pray. You, you can pray in many, many, and for many different things. Can, you, can I pray to, 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 for a bigger house even though I already have a, a nice house? Sure you can. There, there are no guarantees. And here's, here's some questions that I would ask of myself if, uh, if you're in that particular situation, whatever you're praying for, whether it be health or whether it be uh, big stuff, to you, you know, however you want to define that. Some questions, you know, number one, you need to ask, what, what are my motives here? Just think about this. What are my motives? Think about that a little bit. Think about um, how might this affect me? Might it make me a different person? Better person? Maybe not a better person. And, and, and if I pray for this, and this is answered, is, it going to, is this something that's going to honor God? Is this going to honor other people? I mean, is this something, how's this going to affect in those areas of life that are so practical and so important? So, what I want to do, particularly with this particular passage, <clears throat> is talk just a minute or two, maybe more than that, about this whole thing, I call it abusive prayer, or manipulative prayer, because we've got to be careful with this. Some people take verses like this, some people who, who are believers, who are followers of Christ, take verses like this... <clears throat> And they do some little gymnastics with them and, and say, well, hey, there it is. I can pray for that, that third Mercedes. I can pray for that, that new... And you say, well, is there anything wrong with three Mercedes? No. Or three Mercedes or whatever it is. No, there's not. Nothing wrong with that. Okay? Now, let's go back to the prayer thing. What, what do I pray for and, and how, how come if this is true, you know... Ask and, 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 and ask and look and knock. It's going to be open. It's going to be given to you. If this is true, why don't I have some of the things that I prayed for? And we're not necessarily talking about material objects. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's that really a relationship. Maybe it's something else. Because here's, the, here's what I want to do, first of all. First, there's this thing. I call it abusive prayer. Okay? I don't know, I don't know if I coined that term or if I read it somewhere, to be honest. I know that I, I kind of picked it out of a book that I read some years ago that was written by a seminary professor called Churches That Abuse. 
And, and many, there are many ways that churches abuse. In some cases, it's by putting ridiculous rules on people. In some cases, it's making people think they're going to go to hell for, you know, some crazy thing like not RSVPing or something like that. Um, no, I'm sorry. I did that. I, would, I jokingly one time said, if you did an RSVP to the Christmas concerts, you might go to hell or something. I said that. I was joking, just for the record, okay? But there are people who don't joke about that stuff and who do say, you know, you're not, not for RSVPs, but I mean, uh, who, do, who, who give you, you know, if you do this and if you do this and if you do this and if you don't do this and you don't do this, you're going to hell. And they, and they, and they mean that. And, and some people think, oh, there's some crazy stuff out there. Some, some, some churches make you think if you don't go on Sunday or if you don't, if you don't dedicate your children the right, right way, or that they're going to go to hell, all kinds of just—it's incredible. There are even there are even uh, p- churches where they have people who have cell phones that go off, you know. And those are the people. Those are the people. No, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> um, if we were ever going to ban, no, we're not going to do that. There crazy stuff goes on out there. It's crazy that people get on this whole thing that think, you know, if, if I've had intelligent college graduate degree people tell me will I go to hell for this and I'm like where do you, where in the hell do you get that you know well I heard this at church I said well you don't need to go there then or if you need to go there you need to go straighten it out I mean there's some crazy stuff so so we, we need to deal with this we, we need to be honest about this and 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 and, and see what what the Bible teaches about all this. So we talk about churches that abuse their churches that abuse that way. There are many, there are many times people abuse with this, with this particular passage, this, these particular verses. And let me tell you how they abuse. They will say, just take this for what it says. Just take this for what it says, and you ask. And if you don't get you say, well, I did, I didn't get that. I've told this story many times. It was one of those stories that, was, that just, you know how sometimes when you're young, and I was just my first year in, in, as a pastor, this happened to me. It was one of those stories that, you know, that was almost, almost, almost 30 years ago, and I can remember it like it was yesterday, walking into a, and if, if, forgive me if those of you who've heard this before, walking into a hospital room and, and visiting a lady who had cancer and who had literally, literally less than two weeks to live, advanced stages, advanced stages. We all knew that, and people were walking out as I walked in, and she told me, Rich, those people, and she came to our church, and she said, those people just told me that if I had enough faith, I would be healed. In tears. I don't have enough faith. I'm not healed. And it doesn't look like I'm going to be. I said, first of all, that's a lie from the pit of hell. All right? That's not what the Bible teaches. It's people who, who, who take some of these verses like this. There's some other ones that they will use and say, see, if you, have, you just do this thing. And God's going to give this to you. God's going to make it happen. And if you don't, it's your fault. Oh, that's real. That's just, that's just, that's just BS. There's no other way to describe it, okay? And you can quote me on that. Because this is, this is here, what we need to understand is, there, there was this another, this, this, will, this will get you. Um, true story, true story. Uh, as you, many of you know, if you don't know, I spent about um, 17, 18 years in Vail, um, to help start a church, pastor a church there for about, I don't know, 16, 17 years. And um, and one of the churches that started in our area during that time was a church that, that was what you call, there's a lot of names for it, but they took these verses 
And what this truly happened, I don't know if you know Vail, it's Vail, it's Beaver Creek. Beaver Creek's right beside Vail, about five miles away. Beaver Creek's really a nice ski area. If you haven't skied that area, you need to. And, uh, and it's between, it goes Vail, Beaver Creek, Arrowhead, in case you don't know the ski mountain, all right? Beaver Creek at that time was, was pretty new when we first moved there in 83. But Beaver Creek is a real high-end area, and you know, a million dollars isn't going to touch a house there, all right? It may touch a, one of the nicer bathrooms, but that's about, you know, just real high-end stuff. A lot of second, third, fourth homes for people. And um, I ended up having several friends, actually, who, who live there, and it's just, just beautiful. But these people... Believed, I'm serious, there was a little church that started. I don't know if it's still around or not. They literally went to Beaver Creek and they would choose a house and say, in the name of Jesus, that's going to be my house. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking for that house. I'm trusting God to give me that house. You know, just pretty, you know, working, working, working stiffs like a lot of us. You know, people who aren't going to be able to afford the first home of a million or two or three dollars. But they actually believe this. In, you know, reasonably intelligent, educated people, in some cases, believing, hey, this, this is what I'm believing. See, that's the abuse of, the, of, of verses like this, and that's why we need to understand what does, this, what does the Bible teach. So here's, here, just to show you that, that's called, and there's lots of names for it, it's, uh, some people call it the, the prosperity doctrine, some people call it name it and claim it theology. Um, there's lots of names for it, um, and it's very popular, actually, or various forms of it. They try not to get too crazy with it in some places, but there are, very for, there are various forms of it. And if you ever turn on a, 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 some of the Christian television stuff, which I, I think we have, I don't even know because I, I don't look for it, but I, I think we have it in the cable, I'm not sure. But uh, you'll see some of that there. Let me show you the rest of this verse, or this passage from the Bible, and talk about this just for a minute, okay? Because as is the case with so many things in the Bible... Context is everything. Let me just, for fun, show you the next, very next two verses of what we just read here. Keep on asking, you'll be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. If you sinful people, that's me and you, that's all of us, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, and we do, how much more, this is Jesus talking, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Just right here alone, He tells us, look, you ask, you seek, you knock. And understand this, God really knows what you can have and what you can't have and what you can handle and what you can't handle. And in some cases, we don't even do well with that. And that's not God's fault. That's our fault. But he said, God knows how to give good gifts. You don't. And some of the things that you're praying for may not be what you really need. And we're going to talk more in the next time in two weeks. My last message on this. Uh, next week, we're having uh, Eric Metaxas. For those of you who don't know Eric, he's always a treat. And He's a big-time author now, so I just take him whenever I can, whenever he calls, because I can come on this date. So 
Uh, his book is in the top 25 in the New York Times bestseller list, I might add. So he's going to be with us. If you don't know who he is, come and find out because you'll really, you'll really enjoy him. So I'm going, to, I'm going to finish this series and talk about unanswered prayers in two weeks. But, but let me just touch on it now for a moment because here's this thing. He's telling us, yeah, ask and seek and knock. But understand this, in the end, there, there is God, a God in heaven, and really He gives good gifts to us. You say, okay, I understand that and I believe that, but what if, I'm, what if there are some things that are going on in my life that I know God wants me to have? He doesn't want fractured relationships with me. He doesn't want me to have this relationship that I have with my child or with my, my parent or with my, my mate or ex-mate or whomever it is. God doesn't want that, so why doesn't He answer it this way? God doesn't want me to have a, a disease or something that, that, of which that, that might end up someday causing me to die. God doesn't want that, so why doesn't He heal me from that? Because see, there's another factor in here too. It's called brokenness, fallenness. We're broken people living in a broken world. And broken people do broken things. And broken things happen. I was talking to, I got a, got a taxi driver that I could talk to this week, okay, which isn't always the case, as you know. And, and, and he, we were, he was taking me from uh, Penn to the, to the UN. Um, I have a prayer group with some ambassadors. And he was saying, he was, he was from Israel. So we're talking about, I've been to Israel, we're talking about Israel. And it's been a long time. He hadn't been there in a long time. We were talking about that. And, and we were just actually, he, he mentioned the fact, which, which I knew that in Israel, even though it's predominantly Jewish in terms of religion, it's about 90 to 95% agnostics. It's, the religion is just really a cultural thing. It's not really a, a hard thing. And he, and he mentioned that to me. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, that surprised me the first time I went there that, to realize that about 95%, even though they celebrate Shabbat, which is Sabbath and so forth, about 90 to 95% of, of the country is agnostic or atheist. I said, that surprised me. We were talking about that. And he says, well, how can you believe in God anyway with all the stuff going on in the world? Or who said something like that. I'll clean it up a little bit. And... Um, I said, you know, I said, I don't really want to, he didn't know who I was or what I do. And I said, um, you know, I said, God created a perfect world. I think we screwed it up. And this is something you forget. Why do we have disease? Why Why do we have untimely death? Why do we have broken relationships? Because we live in a broken world full of broken people. Okay? And in some cases, that's what affects these things. And, and why doesn't prayer heal that? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And we need to understand that. That's not what God did. We did that. Whether you believe in Adam and Eve, literally or figuratively, when, 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 when sin, brokenness entered the world, it affected all of us. And I'm right there with everybody else. We all are. I'm right there with Adam and Eve. Any way you want to take that, literally or, or figuratively. We're, we're all right there. Um, so that's why we have to be careful with this. And we read it, when we read a verse like this and, and say, look, you know, th- th- I prayed this, and, and, if, and, I, and this is the right thing to pray, and I know it is, and, and, and God wants to give good gifts. Why doesn't He do that? Can't always answer that question. Don't always know. Maybe He will. Maybe it's just not yet. Maybe he hasn't answered that. Maybe, maybe he won't answer that in that particular way. The real issue, the real issue is learning to pray as Jesus did when he was feeling the pressure and when he was feeling the heat. Let me show you that, all right? 
You're probably familiar with this. Because, you know, sometimes, if I, I do it, maybe, maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't notice. Sometimes we'll pray according to your will, God. You know, I say, God, we pray for this to happen, and we pray this according to your will, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right? Real quick. You know, we pray in Jesus' name because Jesus, we, we've talked about this. Jesus takes our prayers. To, Jesus is our high priest. The Bible tells us he's our high priest. He takes our prayers to God. By the way, somebody asked me, I said, why do we say amen? Amen means I believe. Just means I believe. And when I say amen, I believe. That's why sometimes you'll hear it in other circles. Somebody says something you really agree with or you believe, you say amen. You even hear that in circles that are not necessarily uh, Christian, too. And that's, that's, why, that's, what, that's what the word literally means. But what about this in, 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 in God's will? Or, and what is that all about? You know, how does that work? See, so here's, I want to take you to Jesus. Jesus is in this passage we're going to read. Jesus is just before he is about to be arrested. It's just before he is about to be, and if you saw the Passion, which if you haven't, you need to see it, I think. Um, it's just before he goes into this intense amount of suffering. Okay, it's before that. And, 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 and um, Jesus didn't want to do that. He did that for me. He did that for you. But I want you to know, Jesus was, the theological term is hypostatic union. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. There's been no other person like that ever, before or since, and won't be. But I want to take you to the Gospel of Mark and show you what's going on. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying to God the Father. And look what he's saying. Verse 35, he went a little farther, fell down on his face on the ground, and he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. In verse 36, Abba, Father, which is like a, fa- a term of endearment. Like it's like saying Daddy. Like Daddy, Father. You know, that's what he means by that. He says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Please keep this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. Aren't you glad he prayed that last two Three, four words. I want your will, not mine. That's how we're to pray. Ask, seek, knock. And God, I really want your will. That's what I really want. And you know what? It, it, we don't, we, we, not just the words. We're, it's easy to do that. I, I had, this is, this is minimal for some of you, what you've been through or some of what you're going through. But for me, it was not minimal. A little brush with mortality this week. And some of you are going to think I'm just really crazy about this. And, and I'm a guy, okay? And, and guys, many of us at least, who haven't had a lot of health problems get a little, a little crazy. Because of that man right there in the gray hair and tie... We weren't a tie to church for. What's your problem anyway? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's my doctor, okay? That's, uh, but he didn't do this, what he did to me, what happened to me this week, but he made me do it. He, he made me go and get this, I'll just tell you about it. It's called a colonoscopy, okay? <laughs> so I can tell you know what that is. And some kids are looking at me and you're going to ask your mom and dad and your mom and dad are going to say... You know, Rich, I really didn't want my kids to hear about this in church, but uh, it's a medical procedure. And I have been, uh, you're supposed to do it when you're 50, according to my good doctor right here. And I'm a few years beyond, and I've been putting it off because I just, did, I mean, come on. Who wants to do that? So this week I did. And um, I'll tell you, um, 
I went in, I went into the, I had to wait, you know how doctors are, they make you wait always, and, and I love him, but I, I'm still going to talk bad about doctors. Uh, they make you wait, and I had to wait, and you, you know, I don't have my glasses, and I don't have my Blackberry, I'm sitting there in that gown thing that's just so, I mean, very flattering, and, and everything, and um, just waiting, and, 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 and I, you know, I can't read because I'm in glasses, can't, you know, I can't play Texas long hold, Texas long hand or talk Texas hold'em on my Blackberry, which I have. I can't do anything like that. And, and I got to think. And this, again, this is minimal to you guys who've been through. And so you're going through some pretty serious stuff, I realize. But, you know, this is just me. And so, you know, you go through that whole thing. You go through the day before and all that other stuff. You just can't eat anything. It's just awful. Anyway, <laughs> it's just horrible. And, um, but I'm sitting there and I have this thought. It just hit me, you know. All of a sudden, it hit me. What if they find something? You know, what, what, what will that do to me? What, what, will, I, what, what, what will be my response? I, I mean, journaled a little bit about it. Uh, not there, but I, I, I just, I, I thought, I wonder if I'll be a better Christian. I wonder if I'll be more godly. Um, Maybe, maybe I'll be mad at God. Chuck it. You know, I mean, you, 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 I'm going through all these thoughts, you know, through this whole thing, and um, and you know, and and the, and, the, and the thing is, and by the way, interjection: guys who turn fifty, you know, just it's not that big a deal, really. They put you to sleep, and it's great, man. I don't know what those drugs are, but boom, you're gone. <laughs> So it's, I'm, I'm, it's, it wasn't as big a deal. I, I, was, I, was sitting there, I was sitting there beforehand, and, and the lady said to me, the nurse said to me, do you have high blood pressure? I said, I've never had hard, high blood pressure. She says, well, you're going through the ceiling right now. She says, and your, your heart rate is way off the charts. She says, are you nervous? I said, I'm scared to death. I said, I'm scared to death. So anyway, it's not that big of a deal. Everything went through, and, and everything went through. And I was fine, just for the record, okay? Once you know, but but, but I, can't, I come back to this thought. When you start thinking about your mortality and, and all that. And, and then, then, then I thought to myself, can I pray that prayer? Now, this verse was on my mind, obviously, because, I, I, you know, I usually prepare long before Thursday, before Sunday. And, and I, this verse was on my mind. Could I pray yet? Not, I want your will, not mine. You know, and that's the issue here, folks. And, and I don't care whether, you know, obviously praying that about something you want in terms of a material thing, is a lot different than making that prayer also about your health, which I know some people here in an early service as well are and going through it right now. And that's what we have to, we ask. Do we, do we ask for healing? You bet. Let me know. I'll pray with you and for you. I'm happy to do that. I count that as a privilege. And we'll pray that. And sometimes God does answer prayers that way. Sometimes He doesn't, and I don't know why. Because He hasn't told me yet. And then sometimes whole different things turn out whole different than what we ever thought it would be. But that's the prayer. That's how Jesus prayed. I don't, God, I don't want to do this. Take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will, not my. That's what it means to pray according to God's will. We just say those words sometimes. God, we pray this according to your will. That's what that means. Those are good words to say. But I want to encourage you to really mean that as much as you can. And sometimes we even have to pray. I have to pray. God, I, 
I don't know if I can honestly pray according to your will. Because I don't know what your will is, and I'm not sure I'm, I'm not. Be honest about that. That's part of prayer. And that's part of the thing here. Learning how to pray, asking God for big stuff, asking God for little stuff, asking God to do some amazing things in people's lives, and to say, finally in the end, God, I pray this according to your will. And God, I want to mean it as much as I can. That's how we're to pray. That's how we're to handle that. And God will honor that when we're honest. Let's pray right now. Just ask God to kind of take this and sort of cement this into our hearts and into our minds. Lord, our Father, we, these, are, these are really important things. And it's very difficult for some of us sometimes to pray a prayer like, God, I'm asking you for this, and I'm asking you for this, and I'm asking you for this, but God, I do pray for your will to be done in my life. And sometimes, God, we can say those words and mean them. Sometimes we can halfway mean them, and sometimes we we, we don't mean them at all. God, I pray that we would be sensitive to be able to do that in a way that will honor you. Bring us along that road wherever we are. Bring us along that journey in our relationship with you. We're grateful that Jesus did pray that, that he did come and live and then suffer and die and then rose again to give us the opportunity not just to have eternal life, but to have, to have life here on earth abundantly and to be able to, to, to pray and ask and seek and knock and to do so according to you. Well, we pray that in the name of our, of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.